Hello, Shaky Town Radio listeners. This is Brody Foster Hubbard, and what you're about to hear is part two of mine and Gene George's conversation with Bob Schreiner and Ghoul School as we come back in to the episode. Off mic, I had been talking to the guys about something that had happened between me and some other musicians, and uh, we're not going to name who those musicians are, but it transitions into a conversation about the band you're hearing right now, Magnolia Electric Company. This song is from a box set called Sojourner. This is part of the Sun Session disc in the collection, and this song is called Talk To Me Devil Again. It's a different version than had appeared on the album Fading Trails. Let's go back to the conversation. Only like playing in bands that like wish to play in laundry mats mm-hmm. or wish to show up at shows they weren't invited to play or parties yeah. they weren't invited to play. Like you just have that sort of freedom to talk shit about anybody without jeopardizing the future diplomacy of your band. Right. Because we you know it's like I'm like, what do they expect to happen so, if they're gonna like, act like that? Like, what do they expect? Like, <laughs> you're not getting. It's just like. Again, yeah, and we did it. By the <laughs> way, we're, we're recording now, so we can talk about it without mentioning the details. I'm sure. just going to say that, sure. and I'll probably put in a disclaimer: talking about a bad experience with the band. Yes. The, Brody, the Brody had that, that I had. This <laughs> is this doesn't have to do with the other three guys here. I'm not going to. Yeah, exactly. I'm not telling you the context or where right. where or when this happened. I'm just saying a bad experience with the band, <laughs> and I, but I'm not going to talk smack about them now. Um, so, but we can talk. They're really about a specific member of the band. <laughs> Right, but yeah. that, that doesn't mean they have no idea what genre we've we're talking some, about. We've embedded some clues in this episode. See so if you can figure it out. But I could do. be drowning pool. Could be the locust. Could be. Could be. Who <laughs> um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about Byron, the poet, Lord Byron, because your poetry thing. Okay, hold on. The one. No, I can't qu- do that. Okay, really quickly. No, go, I have no, a go, great see, thing, thing that I was reminding me. Go do that. And this is just a quick do round, God, quick round table it. thing. Um, and we, we can talk about shitty bands and shitty encounters we've had in Los Angeles or wherever. But I want to talk about the most interesting encounter um, because what you, we were talking about food. Um, and Bob, this happened with you and me. Um, most interesting party experience I ever had. And the food element, which was reminding me of the story, was um, Bob, under circumstances, which I'm not sure if you want to talk about or not, feel free. Um, you were living in a penthouse and on a, in a high rise. Oh, yeah. And uh, you, myself, um, somebody else and the members of Magnolia Electric Company were hanging out in a penthouse. Um, it was awesome for two reasons. Uh, this is Jason Molina's band, uh, formerly Songs Ohio, and then it transitioned to Magnolia Electric Company. I'm on the balcony with him uh, trying to talk to him about whatever, and he's just obsessed with this shortwave radio, and he's just extolling the virtues of shortwave radio to me. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, <laughs> inside, drinks and um, the Super Burger. The Adventure Burger. The, I'm sorry, the, the Adventure <laughs> Burger. Um, that was my most fun party experience. What's it was like the late Adventure in the night. Burger? Wow, what if this is maybe the f- most fluid segue of the show so far? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Adventure Burger is. It's sort of a. It's like it's kind of like a, a friendship gesture. Okay. Usually, something that I invoke when. 
drawing the circle of close friends a little tighter. Like when I have like, you know, just from being involved with music and having friends scattered all over the country that travel because of it, you often end up meeting like really good friends of really good friends. And it's really like the speed pass to like trust and acceptance right. because you're like, well, if you're such great friends with these eight other people that I'm great friends with, you're probably not shitbags. Yeah. <laughs> it's the mafia so, thing. This is a friend of ours. Right. Yeah, we know this guy. He's a good guy. So he did that thing. He did the thing for Mickey. The thing. Yeah. So and and I and I it wasn't like a first time meeting Magnolia Electric Company. So I'd, I'd encountered them a handful of times, but they were coming to Phoenix where I lived at the time in my swanky deluxe high rise condo. <laughs> Giraffe girlfriend at the time who was sane. Um, and I was hosting them, and I just said, you know, I was like, this is a great time for Adventure Burger, which brings together uh, chicken, beef, bacon, homemade guacamole is essential. It's the conduit to let all those hoofs through the door at the same time. And you grill it all. You know, the earliest you could even think about starting Adventure Burger is 2 a.m. Um, the later the better. So you grill all of this stuff, um, and you put it all on top of each other, basically. Yeah, it all just wow. kind of comes up. But the guacamole really allows it I to become yeah. fluid, and it kind of it's it's <laughs> guacamole a, it's is a, Mexican mayo. Really, it, it it ties everything together. Yeah, it really it it it, it expands that it's not the disgusting. it expands the space. <laughs> right. Believe it or not, I've never known guacamole to do that in any other context, mm. but it kind of allows. No, 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 no. Is the adventure burger is it, is it separate patties of chicken or is it all mixed together like a meatloaf mix? They are separate. They're just okay. grilled separate parts of the grill. Gotcha, gotcha. Mixed chicken and beef, people. We had two <laughs> grills in this particular adventure burger outing, so we had a pork grill okay. and a beef grill. Yeah. Um, gotcha. And then you just stack it all up together with your bun, right. condiment accordingly, cheeses, whatever other animals you might have around the house that you want to grill in it. I've done it once with venison. Wonderful. Fair enough. And, so, and that was the other thing because I was I was vegan, you know. Oh right. So I, I was like, already vegan at this point. It's like the yeah, that's the worst possible <laughs> yeah, it, thing you like, come across. No, what was in, in the uh, Jason? I think it was mm-hmm. from not Molina, but um, gruff. Yeah. yeah, he was like, dude, if you're gonna break your veganism, though, this now is a pretty time. good excuse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you? No. <laughs> You would have definitely thrown up. <laughs> yes. That I was the first died. time you had meat in you. <laughs> yeah, that was a great adventure burger outing. And of course, we were all by a pool because usually, you know, from wrist to elbow, it's <laughs> greasy, condiment laden. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody was in trunks except me at that point. <laughs> so you were you're not only vegan, but yeah. anti trunkist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Was that your most amazing party experience, run-in? Um, that was a very good one. Because, um, I mean, having traveled in some circles, you you and John Cena at Mardi Gras <laughs> together. Hey. WWE superstar John Cena. Which uh, comes back to wrestling for Brody. The man. only... John Cena and I didn't really share any food together. We did meet at the craft services table a few times. Um, he had some cashews, as I recall. And he had a... John Cena has, like, a miniature John Cena, like those stackable Russian dolls. Who's like he is about my size, but he's completely ripped. And he would make he was on the set of this movie John Cena was doing, uh, like making him like protein shakes. And it seemed apparent that like he was like John Cena's all the time PA. Right, right. And uh, there was a hilarious moment where former conjoined twin or something basically went there to do these viral videos for this John Cena movie that Fox was doing in this partnership with uh, WWE because they're looking for like the next. Rock right. kind of person to oh, springboard wow. into tremendous mainstream. <laughs> yeah. So, so the WWE partners with all these 
whatever. So we are trying to explain to John Cena like what viral videos are and all this and and he doesn't, you know, and his is like, I don't fucking know what that is. I don't have email. But oh. this, is, this is like three years ago. Just yeah. like, I don't even have email. But you can't, he couldn't grasp you, the concept. You have email. Yeah. You just have somebody yeah, exactly. that does it for you. Exactly. Who's huge. <laughs> but you have email. Right. It's not, yeah, like there's someone who has a keyboard that's the size of a dinner table, or every key is the size of a playground. <laughs> he just bangs on it like that monkey with yeah. the chimes. Yeah. And that's how he logs in. But you have email. Um, but the thing was the, the the way that we tried to explain viral videos to was <laughs> was, through, was chocolate rain. Sure. And did you show it, was it to him? Compl- no, we didn't yeah. have it to show it, but it was just like you know, it's hard to explain. It was it. so perplexing. <laughs> yeah. But then a few days later, when the film, like the final shot in this movie, uh, twelve rounds, was a we're out in just some big field in in uh, New Orleans with a helicopter on a crane about to get. Exploded, <laughs> and which I'll admit, as 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 much of like a like a not monster truck kind of like enthusiast as I am, um, I was kind of excited to see a big fucking helicopter blow up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. so we're all just hanging out there waiting, and apparently John Cena had tasked his mini John Cena. like between protein shake mixing to go and look into Chocolate Rain. And then there was so, so I was weird. there to witness the report back <laughs> on it. The executive so summary, like <laughs> you know, like not famous bodybuilder talking to famous <laughs> built body. Was like, well, apparently chocolate rain is all of these things. It like does like something to the weather, and oh then like it's like there's some kind of insurance component to it. And <laughs> but he couldn't have just shown it to it. like he, after no. you talked to him about it. That's confusing enough, but yeah. you you can, <laughs> sure you did your best. But then he wouldn't just say, hey, get me a laptop to his assistant. He actually said to his assistant, watch it while I'm not there. Come back to me with a report on what it was. Like, that is the most... <laughs> Brief me later. Give me the executive <laughs> no summary. But I, bet, I think if John Cena says he doesn't have email, I bet he also thinks he doesn't have internet. Right. Or computer. I would say. I don't have computer. I hate people who say that. I don't have email. That's such a... Just the statement alone is so pompous. But I will say, <laughs> so to John Cena's credit, he was... Really fun to work with yeah. and really nice, really accommodating. Like we went in, kind of on the on the bad foot because he thought we were some other entity trying to wreck right. his game. Right. But um, he was really easy to work with. The stuff we had was all like written last minute, totally improvised, and he was totally cool. Basically, just walking into these things like with outlines written and just making things up. So his ability to like yeah. improv. Was great, and he was really pretty. But was his go-to nice. improv move uh, cutting his face open with a razor hidden in his hands? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my worry of working with wrestlers. Is that's nor did he. My, nor did he chew through the turnbuckle like George the Animal Steel, which was a little disappointed by. <laughs> I, I met him years ago before he was John Cena. He was wrestling as Prototype. I, 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 Gene hates it when I get to my wrestling. Past, I don't hate so. it. I just note it. All I right. just note it with contempt. Fair enough. Yeah, hatred's a strong word. But I can't really... My, my, uh, my, my first break into media was wrestling journalism. But we really? Won't, we won't talk too much about that right that now. We've talked, we've talked that into the ground. I, I can direct you to some podcasts where I actually to it other than That's my own <laughs> and Gene's. Um, so what about your experience as far as... Because you've been a part of now a lot of festivals and interesting things. And um, I'm sure that you have some... Uh, fans of the website and the live events who are uh, 
are interesting people. I mean, not only the figures in the video, but just, you sure, know. Sure, I mean, with anything, um, like, going, I just remember, like, the South Park guys and their clips and how they had laid some right. like this big fan base of celebrities like Clooney and whoever. Yeah, yeah. So what sort of interesting feedback have you heard from, or like... Brody wants to know, do you know any wrestlers? <laughs> do I know any wrestlers? Is Honky Tonk Man a big everything is terrible thing? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> uh, no, there has been some of that stuff. Not as much that I know of. Like, I think a lot of it is we kind of hear about it like in passing. Like, in my office one day somebody was like, hey, Ryan Gosling was just here and he's a big cat massage fan. And I was like, why? You know I was here. Why didn't you say something? And like, I don't know. I just kind of forgot. But um, it's, it's honestly been awesome. Like, I was only on part of the tour because of my job last year. So that's why I'm really hoping that it ends just so I can – I can't go on – I can't miss it again. Like, yeah. seeing – the response that like drove me nuts, like just being at work, seeing things, you know, reading Twitter and stuff like that about shows, like drove me insane. This is the best thing that's ever it's, happened to me uh, ever. It killed me. It You're killed like, me. and just like seeing the country, like it's always something I wanted to do. Like spend yeah. all these times at all these shows. Like I heard, you know, like everyone was like, "Who would have thought Atlanta was like crazy at whatever place we were at?" And that drove me insane. So I, right. the, the part that a tour I was on was great because it was just like. You go to cities like Austin, you go to places like uh, Portland and stuff mm-hmm. like that, places that I've never been to before, and just seeing, like, all these young kids, like, college-age kids just be huge fans, being like, I'm sure you guys are busy, but if you want to party at our house, it's like, we're not, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, please. Uh, and it's been, it's just been awesome. Like, I love it. Like, just that response and who we've met through there, like... Zach Carlson and Lars over at the Alamo and just Zach like, Carlson um, punk rock movies yes uh, punk rock films Royal movies yeah 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 yeah. You should have him on he'll be here for the festival as well he's been uh, the nicest guy <laughs> yeah we're, we're trying to write a book actually right now uh, that we're passing around and it's like working with him has just been like you are the sweetest dude he's ever. a really nice guy and, and I would have never met him if it wasn't for that and just like seeing what he does over at the Alamo he's not even really there anymore he's kind of semi-retired in his words from there but mm. um yeah, it's just been awesome. It's been great. And, and and check out his book, Destroy All Movies. He watched, him and Brian Connolly watched 18,000 films, all, every one that had a punk in it, if they would fast forward through every movie. Holy shit. Basically every movie ever. Like every movie ever. Yeah, sure. If it had a punk in it, they'd have to rewind it, watch the whole thing from scratch. <laughs> and I mean, and, and, and it, it took them six years. I still can't believe 18,000, like... Only those guys would be able to. You cut a companion mix. I did. Book. I made a companion mix to it to Sherelle movies. It's uh, I think it's on Vimeo, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like kind of like a culmination of all that stuff. It was a lot of fun to make, and it's just thank you for reminding me of stuff that I've done. <laughs> like, uh, but that book is insane. Like that yeah. book is just crazy. Like they, he was, they were losing their minds because I guess like the, the the guy Brian, after six years of doing it, like they were losing their minds, and it was just like. I gotta take a break. I, I just I can't do this anymore. I gotta just like veg out and just watch another. But of course they're huge movie nerds, so they're like, I just gotta watch another movie. <laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything else. Do for this project. <laughs> yeah, but like, I'll watch a movie. So they so the guy he's like he flips through the channels and booty call is on. He's like, great, okay, that's that. Great booty call. That's the and you know that's the least punk <laughs> right. new wave movie ever. Of course, halfway through, course. some guy walks out of a like a mall. It just says like a shirt says like anarchy. <laughs> it's like, God <laughs> damn it! I'm missing so much. Like what that did, yeah, just ruined it even more because it's like Ugh. we're not even close to getting all this. But I really think they've got like I've tested it <laughs> since then. I've been like. We pull the book out all the time. We pull the book out all the time just to kind of stump on it. And then there's a whole write up of each film, and it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 
Yeah. So do they knock out like the easy ones like Repo Man? <laughs> like oh, of course. No, they, interview, they interview like they interview uh, Alex. Cox. Actually, interview Alex Cox. I'm pretty sure. I'd they love to. He's he's one of my favorite. Directors. He's a great director, if not my course. favorite. Director. Yeah, yeah. Class of 1984, one of the greatest films of all time. Mm-hmm. With uh, didn't they have a young Timothy Van Patten? A young Michael J. Fox as well. Oh wow! Yeah, he's like 13 at the time or something like that. He gets stabbed in the stomach. It's awesome. Oh wow! <laughs> it's great. And Van Patten has gone on to direct Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, still good for him. Good for him. And he was on Mystery Science Theater. He was on Mystery Science Theater. Uh, he one of his movies. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, um, American Ninja, maybe him and Lee Van Cleef. Yes. Oh fuck yeah! I didn't realize I was on there, but yeah, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that movie, man. Gene George, favorite portrayal of punk rock in a movie. Oh, I'll go with Repo Man. I'll go yeah. with, uh, Repo Man's a good one. Repo Man. Bob Schreiner, favorite movie punk. God, it's hard to go away from that. Repo Man. Uh, you can say it. It's okay. Polly Shore and Encino Man, maybe. Did he play punk in that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure Yeah, so. I was sort of like, well, if he did, then yeah. He played a punk. <laughs> he didn't play a punk. True. Yes. <laughs> By play a punk, I mean he just was a punk in that movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> I got nothing. Got nothing. Got nothing. I like the guy with the boombox on the subway. You Star know what, yes. you know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. That was a good one. The trip to Wales. Wasn't that the trip to Wales? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I hate you. What's, they interviewed the dude who wrote that song. They have like a page interview. I forget his name, but yeah, it's amazing. Also, it's I don't know if it's portrayed in the movie. Um, we're going to get really nerdy and obscure here. Like we have uh, already been right. extremely nerdy and obscure. <laughs> Frank Miller did a comic book adaptation of the movie RoboCop, which he wrote the script for. RoboCop 3. Ro- yes, yes. But he, he also did. He did. He wrote Robocop One. I believe he. Did, I believe so. Oh, no, I don't think so because I think. Okay, let's I think, look this up. I think that was his first. I think that's why he hated Hollywood so much because he made. I think he did a comic for Robocop, something like that. I, I was fairly certain that there was no, an adaptation. No, I'm almost I positive the the only one that he did. You know, you're right. Sin I'm sorry. City, he, I think was Robocop Three. And he okay, hated I somewhere. might be crossing some wires here. Sorry. Okay, so let's start this over. <laughs> There's a comic book adaptation of the first Robocop movie. I don't know who's responsible for it. I assumed it was Frank Miller. I think it's your mom. All right. But it, it was, uh, there's a scene where the, I'm, I want to call him the Leland Palmer character. It's mm-hmm. Ray Wise yeah. in the movie. The actor Ray Wise who plays the devil on Reaper and Leland Palmer on Twin Peaks and does some Tim Eric stuff too, I think. And he's like a punk rocker. Um, and in the comic book adaptation, they're listening to uh, Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World by the Ramones. It's like playing in the quote-unquote punk club. And it, like you just see this, like, in comic books, the way they portray music is like a, a beach balloon and music notes. And it yeah. says, I'm a Nazi, baby. I'm a Nazi. Yes, I am. And I'm like, that's the Ramones. And I don't know if they actually use that m- song in the movie. I'd have yeah, to go back know. and watch it. But... I love the portrayal of punk. Most yes. portrayal of punks in movies are incredible. And of punk, quote unquote, clubs. In That's movies. the best part. Like, yeah. there, there's, there's, uh, going back to all the other sisters punks. and stuff like that. Like, there's yeah. movies out of nowhere. That's why I liked Repo Man because that was probably, like, Otto works in a supermarket. Right. And yeah, yeah. he doesn't have a creepy haircut. And right. He just goes out and, and no, he slam like, dances, like doesn't mosh. Yeah. When the fuck, again, when did it become moshing? You fuck nuts. What I don't understand about film, like what that book showed me, and just like, I'm, you know, of course, like growing up watching movies, I always thought, well, there's no going, there, there's no going around it. I'm going to get murdered by a gang of punks. Right, <laughs> right. In the future. Like, right, okay, right, Predator right. 2, that, right. that's not that far off. 1997, Los Angeles, I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> but like, what? 
What I don't understand is why was Hollywood, and they talk about this in the book, but like I still can't f- quite figure out why Hollywood was so obsessed with this random group of people who like they weren't it's not like they were running rampage like causing all these rapes and murders all over the country but yet they were like I think it's leather jackets I honestly think it's yeah. the, I think it's the it's the old greaser kind of you know I guess so. it's a carryover from like blackboard jungle where they're all gonna pull switchblades on you right. no you're right I think that definitely no, I, mean, I, th- I think that's just a you know it's just a handy uh, you know Shorthand for yeah. They never caught on with things like like why did that never catch on with like ravers in the late nineties? Like why weren't they they were portrayed in movies but not nearly as much? Right, because like, they, they were portrayed in episodes of Nine and Two and Oh. Yeah, they I were think. just Nine and Two and Oh, like Law and Order. Too goddamn goofy. goofy. Yeah, too goddamn goofy. goofy. I mean, that's right. really what it comes down to. And it really segued from bikers, like the seventies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, bikers and right. like badass truckers. Yeah, and it went right into punks. Yes. Yeah, the trucker chic, the CB chic of the seventies is the weird goddamn thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, right. those are some great movies. <laughs> about that era. The truckers. There was a big because um, trucking was heavily unionized mm-hmm. in the seventies, and then there was a strike. So therein, you know, the, the American, you know, oh, that fascination of the rugged well. individual in America. Truckers were suddenly badasses. My, well, my pop was a trucker, and he was a badass. So yeah. there you go. But that's just real life. <laughs> now, Bob, you actually had worked in a record store, and I know this from firsthand as far as being a, I'll say, punkish kid. I mean, we were, me and my friends were more like skate punks, I guess, except I was the one without a skateboard. Or a car. And then, like, the people, I was like, the, the guys as I got older were more just music nerds, and like, yeah. I mean, they would, like, one week they would like, a punk band and the next week they would like black metal and I think you know right. specifically who I'm talking about the assholes I'm talking about um, <laughs> those but, wounds run deep <laughs> fuck dude uh, but yeah but yeah we were punks hanging out in a record store um, where, so I'm just curious as far as like I mean to me that's what actually happens and, uh, Repo Man was actually closer to the yes, truth yes I'm saying Repo right, Man right. was honestly like a good yeah, yeah it was pretty that close. was the I, I think one of the best like realistic yeah, portrayals absolutely. you know in a way like sure. right you right. steal you steal a six pack of beer and yeah. you know, hang out and right. <laughs> fight each other and just act like total dicks except for the flying car uh, that part yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> I got a little bit outray yeah. let's say and I, I know you were really annoyed by I, at least I know the, the guys were really that the records were really annoyed by High Fidelity when that came out um, I wasn't say I was annoyed by the movie. I, I went and saw it and, and, and it was fine. Um, there's just a weird there's, there's always that weird thing when people want to relate to you yeah. because of something holy insipid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you work in a record store and someone sure. goes like, Oh my god, I'm in a record <laughs> store and I'm looking at you and without even putting in a sentence, I'm just gonna say, Hi Fidelity yeah. and somehow like expect me to you hug don't. them or produce a fruit salad. So that's kind of annoying because it's there's there's like this there's this kind of expectation yeah. of to like like I've related to you. There's a movie kind of about people like you, and I'm here. <laughs> Praise me. So it's sort of it's like, what the fuck do you want? Because that movie's about guys in record stores that are dicks, which I don't like to do without you know provocation, but I'm good at. Yes, so, very good at. You know, I, I tried I try to sheath that mighty sword. On the innocence, but is it true they made that movie into a musical? I've heard this. It failed, like a failed, like off Broadway musical, or maybe even a Broadway musical. I want everything to be a musical. I know. And on ice. <laughs> yeah, look that up. Because I keep trying to look it up, yes. and it's like it was um, David Lindsay Abair wrote the book for it. He uh, he's the one who did uh, Rabbit Hole, which is a play, and um, yeah, it it was. Uh, 
But like, did they use music by Tom Kitt? But is it like? That's so weird. Yeah. I would have thought at least they would have had like you know they, they'd go into like a Jesus and Mary chain <laughs> sort of little Busby Berkeley thing. I don't know. <laughs> Seems kind of odd to write original music for that movie, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing about record stores is like the, the peeves that people always get, like record store employees always get sort of dubbed as having these peeves that I think are, are, are usually not. You know, it's like, I don't I don't care that you don't, you know, like what you like. And, yeah. And, and cool. You're different from most. But there are always those, then. there are always those things, like the things that you don't like. Well, you know, that was the, 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 you know, high fidelity was a funny period. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the snobbishness thing or whatever. Um, well, I just feel like, you know, you, you, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had coworkers who were <laughs> perhaps a bit different uh, mindset than I. Opinion. But, you know, I just feel like people in records, like when I was a kid, music was so important and people in record stores were so cool to me and so helpful and turned me on to so many things that were fucking life-changing. So, like, once you get the chance to do that, it's like, or you could be a cock. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on. But I think there was also just like there was kind of a shift in as well as in the time that I was doing that. Because, you know, when I was, you know, like there's, you know, when I was young, like all music had to be discovered. Right. It was all tactile and shit was yeah, rare definitely. and obscure definitely. and you fucking fingered through every, you know, yeah. a hundred bad, you know. Gene loves Jezebel records to find the you know the purple cover negative approach record, and you know that was fucking great. Yeah, but I think it's like impressing record store employees too. I miss that. You know what I mean? Like the ones who were dicks. Right. You kind of wanted to be like, um, do you guys have the new Bright Eyes album? Like trying to like like right. I was like sixteen at the time. You know whatever. Just being like, I'll press these guys. I know. I know Saddle Creek. I know. Uh, yeah, and there's K Records. I mean, if I could run a, like a clip of those, it would just be. I wish that it would squeeze the souls of of those people now. Like the real pompous, like leaning into the counter, like, is this? I was, I was listening to the Kinks one day, and the guy asked me if it was like Smike Kinsella. Like, yes. <laughs> Filed under Kinks. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. Like, it's a really weird there's, thing. There's yeah. not like a real other kind of retailer like, where people have to like prove it. No, you know, that's like, what's so you don't funny go into like a Sears to buy a fucking lawnmower and be like, Indep- so. Independent video stores kind of have. It, right. That's true. Actually, yeah. video stores are like that too. Well, I think that's or the word like that too. Yeah. I mean, most of my. I mean, I, I I was born in LA, but I moved around, so a lot of my record buying, like my first cassette I ever owned that I bought with my own money, was Glass Houses with Billy Joel. Which I'm gonna say, it's, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. People can shit on Billy Joel, like yeah. fine, fine, fine. I'll stick up for him. Yeah, um, he's a piano man. Um, but uh, but you know, most of my experience was rec- records, music as a retail thing. Mm-hmm. So it was no different right. than B. Dalton. Sure. You know? Right. As a matter of fact, probably the bookstore employees were probably more snobby as a rule <laughs> than the people at the warehouse or wherever. Right. Sure. You know? So it's like it was only when I started growing up and going to like like the used record stores in, in here in LA and things like that that I experienced that but mostly it was just like a commodity like anything else right. so if you didn't hear it on the radio you weren't going to go to the warehouse and have somebody you know clue you into something right, that was right. really good because frankly they wouldn't probably have it right <laughs> you know it's like Gordon Lightfoot <laughs> sure <laughs> I'll take a Gordon Lightfoot album <laughs> 
But yeah, I think as the struggle went away, you know, as obscurity right. sort of became like less of a challenge yeah. to, to right. get things, like you know, it sort of just became more. You know, there's no struggle in having good music, yeah. so it's sort of okay. Like, and it's just funny to think, like, you know, kids aren't going home now to have their dad throwing away their MP3s. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, so it's such a different. Like, you know, I mean, this was this was still you know, well, probably a decade ago, but I remember you know having my my Napster queue and some kid. Messaging me through Napster, be like, love that. "Dude, I just pulled all this great, you know, yeah. suicide and I've probably pulled know, a lot of like, stuff from you." And no, no, you know, what was like, your, what no was your, what was your uh, moniker? Bot Schreiner, Bot Schreiner on everything. <laughs> you know, there were certain names that right. you'd be like, "Ooh, that guy." If I ever meet him, I'm gonna shake his hand. But I'm this kid, I'm like, you know, I, I like message back. I'm like, "Oh man, you know, it's enjoy. It's great. Yeah. It's great to you know, it's always great to meet other people that like whatever, whatever." And I look at his profile he's 14 yeah like you're 14 and you're listening to suicide in wichita (laughs) wow (laughs) it just goes away like you just think of music like when you had to find music like it just you know all you know things just sort of grew like out of other things where like it's just amazing to think you know that kids just get that's what i loved about like you can just start right off with exactly things like uh Having things like Aquarius, like I don't know if you guys ever read Aquarius Records, that you know the uh, the San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It's like stuff. Oh, like that site is just amazing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It's like when you're not when you're not living in L.A. or San Francisco, or whatever. Looking at those sites and just being like, oh my god. And honestly, like I don't know if you guys do this, and I feel bad about it. Kind of, I don't do it as much anymore. But like just going to the BitTorrent sites or back then the Napsters and the mm-hmm. and the Audio Galaxies and the. Uh, Scour.net and all yeah. that stuff. Like that was kind of like going to a record store. It was sort right. of unfortunate that it was like I'm sorry. I'd still go to the local places that had whatever. I, I could, ooh, ice cream. Man. <laughs> um, but there is kind of an art in that. Like I love right. that. Like I still love just going on Aquarius and being like, I'm sorry, I can't afford all these albums. I'm right. just gonna kind of. Yeah, for me, know. it's um, Cosmic Hearse, yeah. which is uh, sure. Aesop from Ludacra and Hickey. Yeah. Um, and Hickey, I got into through the record store. Um, and then also uh, Mike Desert from the band Horns with two S's. Okay. And um, also, he's in a couple other bands. His his uh, blog, The Jerk, is his name. That's or, cool. or is it Jerk the Blog? <laughs> One of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. And, and getting into everything from like like really good, like. Um, yeah, I mean, you know those things. You know. So all the good music. And that's somebody is more cu- cur- curating it. Um, right, I think, and but, then there's, I think we still need that. Like, I think that that's kind of the problem with things like MySpace. How like every band has their own site now, and it was like right. great. And then you realize maybe that's not such a good thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we need record labels to sort of tell us what to listen to. Like, right. Well, there needs to be, you know human, what I'm saying? Like, there, there needs, needs to be, to be a human filter. element that guides some some part of it. Because otherwise, it's just a bunch of crap that's laying there that you have to. Yeah, there's no way to piece through it. I think, I think if I think if like you guys seem like the like you would agree with this like I think if we were all like 17 right now we mm-hmm. would probably do that like just kind of go on Facebook and MySpace and be like let's just I would I could see doing that just because it sounds so fun or it would seem so exciting but the junk I'm sure I would find you know and there might be some gems but I, I just like don't even have the time for that anymore like I need somebody to curate yeah. that stuff for me like because I don't have even even going through like things like Aquarius is just too hard for me anymore it's like it's my fault I just need I miss I miss it but uh 
I just like, I don't listen to any music. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing I sort really of feel bad about. I just anything I've recent. stuck with it's, the stuff I listened to at like yeah. 05, yeah. and that's kind yeah. of cut off from there. See, to and, and to pull back the curtain on the podcast a little bit, we uh, Gene and I have been talking. This is the you know the transition to the next year of, of the the show, and it's a continuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've been trying to some extent do a little bit of that, like turn people on to new bands each yeah. week. Or not even new bands, just, well, new to them, you know. Sure. Um, as we take this, the podcast into a new direction, not a new direction, but just as we try to go onward and upward to Valhalla or whatever, um, the legal aspect of featuring music on a podcast. I thought it was, I thought it was legal, right? Well, I, just, I think it just depends. I mean, really? in Early on, what I did was, for example, when April Richardson was on the show, um, the comedian, she's friendly with the um, the gravy train people, Hunts mm-hmm. and Punks, those people. Yeah. And so through that, I was just able to use a gravy train song. Uh, Tom Neely, our first guest, has a musical project, so we used that. We have people who are on with projects and musicians, and they play like Common Rotation, Aaron Williams, a bunch of people were able just to play their music, and we could use that. Yeah, I try to be clever, like have on, what was one recently that we did? Um, I'm just trying to do. I don't listen to the podcast, so I couldn't tell. Okay, um, you know Brandy Posey, who uh, was on last week's episode. Uh, we were talking about ska, so I'm going to find if, a ska band. You, I if like. you say so. <laughs> <laughs> so coy about it, I like that. Um, I, I, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. it's one thing. Like if I grab something I really like, you know, then I, I want to be able to feature it. Um, but. And if I know, like, Andrew Jackson Jihad, we've had their music on, I'm friends with them, so I can say, hey, can I use an Andrew Jackson Jihad song? Sure. Um, but, like, Kevin Pollack, he was on, he's in The Usual Suspects, I do the Avail cover of Suspicious Minds, um, and it's great, and it's a great song, it's a great cover, but I don't know them, and... Right. I could probably work really, really hard to track them down. Honestly, but there's just, you can't. Yeah. Right? Like, right. And I, I think that that's the thing is that. And I you think go through this with your clips probably. We, some we do sometimes, but not as much as you think. I think a lot of people are shocked. I think what I always try to tell people when they're like, you guys can't possibly get away with this. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do you, first of all, are you a lawyer? Like, what do you care? And second of all, uh, like, we'll deal with it when we deal with it. Like, it, it goes on, a, 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 on like a person by person basis, I think, of who. Uh, uh, would appreciate it or not and maybe this is different because we're putting them in a different light but especially now with music it's like yeah you have the choice to listen to literally anything I can't believe the radio still exists like you have the choice of anything wouldn't that be a great thing to have with with or without your permission yeah your music playing a pipe I would just think that was awesome like yeah I don't know like I just feel like how isn't that sort of just how it works now like you're not going to make any money selling your music really anymore it's all about touring maybe I'm wrong like I mean you guys probably know way more about this than I do but it's like isn't the whole point just kind of get your name out there now no matter what yeah see that's what I think at least that's my that's my approach to it ultimately it always falls back to the that old maxim that some people are just dicks yeah (laughs) right someone's gonna come across and for whatever reason just be like I don't wanna be affiliated with that they but, didn't but it's funny how the laws are yeah, to me, to, with that stuff. To me, to me, it's not it's not necessarily a copyrighted fair use thing, and I'm certainly not worried about them coming and, you know, gouging big chunks of money out of the shaky town empire. Right. right. It's really about the whole like if we really can't ask permission to use it, I don't I don't personally feel comfortable with it. Yeah. I think it's a cool idea and I'm okay with sure. it's not like I, I I lose sleep at night over the songs that we've used without permission, but I also think, you know, 
let's ask permission or get you, you right. know, get original music. If we and the other thing too is and then that's why there's going to be yeah. less music in the show when yeah. there is. It's going to be people we know who are on the show. But I'm not going to. I don't think yeah, as yeah. easily throw stuff out because I've been sweating over like what ends up being the first 15 seconds of the ramp up to the show and a music right. credit in the middle of the show that no one cares about. Right, exactly. It's like we're here for the conversation and the guests, yeah. you know. Right. But at the same time, it's cool that you do that because, you know, you build relationships that way. You like a band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other way to what what better way to talk to yeah. them? Being like, hey, we really like you. Yeah. You kind of feel like we share a similar. That would be great yeah. about Aesop. Aesop has said, use Hickey music, use Ludacris, go for That's it. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And you ran into. I'm, I'm sorry, but no, no. you ran into. I don't. Bob, you did Chunklet Radio for a while. Mm-hmm. Explain what that was and what your role was in that. Uh, that was an interesting sort of affair because um, my friend Eric Simmer, who is a wonderful illustrator, lives in Amsterdam. I grew up in, in, in Arizona with him, and he just you know decided he would be, be happier there. So well, they both start with A, right? <laughs> so it's man, I never really thought about the there's the, a symmetry the, the 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 brevity of the index. Um, wow. Anyways, he just came to me and it was like, you know, I know, I'm, you know, he was doing voiceovers and, and going to all these you know, little media outlets in, in Amsterdam and to do them and made friends with this guy was like, you know, who, you know, pushed all the buttons and made himself kind of available. It was like, well, I have this idea, you know, we could just, this guy is really, really amenable and I just want to do a radio show and, you know, you write it, I'll get it kind of produced there and then so it was a really crazy thing to do because I didn't have another writer I mean Eric wrote some things or I write some things or, but it was usually like not really a collaborative writing process mm. it was like I was just writing alone and I would email something like just some bits and then he would then just find some some things I would phone in like we did this we did this um, like faux infomercially sort of thing about a, a, a entrepreneur who had a this revelation and this entrepreneurial revolution that was a 50s diner mm-hmm. and this, you know talking about the 50s diner it was like all of the things that the 50s really were great at like racism and conformity <laughs> right and the actual 50s pounding you know any any stream of you know, deviation of human you know out of people yeah so that was sort of our our you know thing and, uh, and it was a lot of fun to do and uh, but it was crazy it looks like I was on the phone in you know my like fucking office job in Phoenix, like the towel under the door, something you know deadening the sound. Um, so that was kind of a crazy, which is you know, just being across like a fucking ocean. It's like it's yeah. two in the morning where these guys are, and I'm in a fucking office job doing this. So it was kind of a weird disconnect. Like just write something and then email it to someone. It'll be like, oh cool, I'm gonna get these people here. You know like expats and English folk and you know other people without yeah, I remember crippling Dutch accents. Yeah, I episode hosted by two uh, two birds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they like actual kids. birds? Like English ladies. Well, you want yeah, there's two English ladies. <laughs> English ladies. English ladies. No, no, English ladies. I'm not talking about like... Wait, now, by the way, was that... Were you trying to do a British accent when you, eh, when you did that? Exactly. No, I mean I I I've not picked up on this. I've, I've worked at I've worked at BBC and September Films, which are oh, wow. both British owned, and so I've worked with British people. But I'm not talking about British people. I'm talking about birds. 
Like that's yeah. We had what well, to show to to uh, to uh, expand on that is we we had a show. The theme was just basically these two English women who were drinking during mm-hmm, the show. Sure. So we're having these like you know bits and then music and you know, kind of in between, and they're just sort of moderating the whole thing as they become progressively more <laughs> annoying and inebriated. And the whole thing's like by the end of the show, it's like a lot of people like. It's an it's a funny compliment like that someone's like ah oh, it was really hard to get through, like, <laughs> so you start to realize it's like oh great I'm you're making difficult you know, like I'm, I'm writing material like to amuse people and then putting it together music that I like and want to share with people and then making like the, you know the 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 glue that holds that all together so toxic that people are like. <laughs> Fucking so itchy listening to this. More yeah. shit gravy on your flaming so, yeah. <laughs> Oh no, thank you. I think I love shit. <laughs> but there's that you know. Some I don't know. It's a it's a funny thing. It's like sometimes you just get. I don't know. I guess I just like to shake the cage sometimes. So it's like. Yeah. There's just that comfort of, of like just making it. You know, like I'm okay with it being uncomfortable, or I'm okay with it being kind of awkward. So. Right. Here you go. <laughs> so, and you didn't have any issues though with the uh, the music clearance or that kind of stuff. No, I mean my, I mean a, it's coming out of out of Holland, so. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but you know, I mean, with me, I mean, you know, like my history for mm-hmm. you know my my flair for, I guess, just being arrested for fucking with people. Being a scofflaw. So, a yeah, like, I don't, you know, like I know it's illegal and that doesn't stop me. And I feel like you know, like you know, it's illegal and everything is actionable. So in terms of like you know, so many things aren't illegal. That's like what you just should call the website. Everything <laughs> But it, you could sue anyone for anything. Thing. That's so. the thing, though. But I think it's all a gray area now. I think that's the thing is that even, for example, like a few years ago, like two years ago, we were kicked off of YouTube for that because somebody got copyright. Right. Two weeks ago, YouTube contacts us and they're like, "Can we feature you on our site? We love what you do. Would you like to be a sponsor?" And it's like, or can we? You know, could you want to maybe right. do advertising? Which I don't think we will. But it's like, what? Like that was two years ago. You were being sued by Viacom for like a billion dollars, and I honestly think. Just from the show I work on, where we do a lot of that stuff, I mean, we're probably a little bit more, we play it safe a lot, which is fine. You know, it's a network. But I just can't believe how much the laws have changed now. I mean, guys like Girl Talk get away with it. Guys like Shepard Ferry kind of get away with it. I don't think the laws have changed. I think it's like it's, anything else, it's the interpretation. It's not the, exactly. Yeah. The laws haven't changed. It's always been a gray area, yeah. and it used to be a lot easier to say, hey, that's a yes, I don't think it's ever been a gray area. I, I, I will take the, the semantics of that, I think, is incorrect. I think that if, if you got a copyright lawyer and went to court, yes. you're going to win. You know, right. you're going to say, you can. They use this, and the judge will look at the law and look at the precedent and go, "Yes, you know, I award you X." But that rarely happens, yeah. and it only in the very most high-profile things does it happen. So I, I just, I'm not worried. Again, I'm not. I but there, really there are all these weird laws that I constantly run into. Like I just, I'm kind of fascinated with it, even though I get yeah. very confused with it easily. Because I mean, I've talked to copyright lawyers; they keep telling me, "Look, it's, it's, it's fair, and it's not like you could, you could be, yeah. you could win or lose depending on how this goes." Like, yeah, it just, the judge it does not. We, we yeah, can't. We can't be sure what you're doing is as legal as it is illegal, mainly because there's a lot of different laws now. Or I don't know if they're new, but there's things like commentary. You can be making a commentary on something. Yeah, parody. And that's considered parody, yeah, or yeah. or just or just like a social commentary. It's right. this other part of it where it's like, yeah, it's like either parody or social commentary or the length of the stuff you use. There's so many. It's just there's so many. Yeah, you're right. Maybe grayer isn't the right word, but there's just so many. Uh, 
nuances. Nuances yeah. that you can pull together. It's like well, you I think could, your your you work know. is probably more nuanced than than simply slipping a a, a song in. You know, sure. And you've sure. received a cease and desist before. Yes, from I think the only one we actually was, Alyssa was from Alyssa Milano's mother for the <laughs> Teen Steam video that, oh, that, that we posted. And uh, but even then, it was just like an email. It was like, okay, take it down. It's gone. Okay. Like same with the guy from Paul's backyard. Okay, it's down. Like sorry, there's no. No one's gonna take you to court now. Like that's impossible. Right. Like there's just so much going on. Yeah. Especially, I mean, thankfully things like YouTube and 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 and, and guys like Shepard Ferry, artists like Girl Talk, they sort of pave the way of just being like, yeah. we're gonna do this. We're gonna give it away, basically. Yeah, like, unless unless someone's out to crucify you. Sure. Yeah. But a lot of times when that happens, they turn out to be the bad guys. And that's the worst thing you can do for like sure. PR. You know, like no, no one wants I, to come down. Metallica. Uh, Metallica. Yeah. I look mean, what happened well, to Metallica. Exactly. Remember there was a, when I was working in record stores. There was this big like like bootlegs were really really common of all of these kind of hippified like next generation Grateful Dead bands like Fish and, and Jam Wild, bands. Matthews and, right. and um, so there are all these live bootlegs it's like a like, huge Grateful yeah, Dead thing but, like the, the, you know people would have like thousands of fucking shitty audio recordings Smoke with Grateful Dead things. like oh man if you haven't heard Nassau 76 you're <laughs> I don't know what to tell you man <laughs> So, you know, the next generation, it, it just carries over a little bit. So there are all these, like, you know, bootleg things floating around. And, and it was, you know, just being in a record store, you know about yeah. that happening. But Dave Matthews had sent, hired a lawyer to go out, like, you know, just dressed like a dude who was chilling. Oh, and amazing. ask people if they sold bootleg Dave Matthews. And then, like, basically, like, Slap him with pull it. the fucking the raspy thing. on, like, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're putting a padlock on your door. We're seizing all your inventory. And it's like you're a fucking attorney. You have no, you have no like grounds to do that. You have no like yeah, authority it, to do that. Do you remember? This also happened at venues in Phoenix where ASCAP agents right, were going right. undercover to shows. That is amazing. Like, and we played at like art galleries and coffee houses and stuff. And this has to be pre-9/11, right? This has to be when no one had anything better to <laughs> people, do. Had, yeah, people had nothing better to do. Actually, even after that, I was going to do a, a Misfits cover band for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, 138, me and the members of Haunted Cologne. Um, and they had to stop, stop doing, and oh, and uh, Ben from Porches was going to be Zombie Springsteen. <laughs> and just play Springsteen songs dressed up as a zombie. Yeah, that's what's oh, you don't have to change the voice at all. Yeah. And <laughs> JRC from, uh, JRC runs the one word long label and uh, runs the trunk space with Steph. Uh, Rico, uh, they like, yeah, we can't do the show because they've made it clear that that is so the hammer will come down. But playing a song live as a cover is so. But the thing is, I mean, I so guess it's the, the part of like the part of me that's sort of like, um, I don't know, doesn't mind just getting in a fight. It's right. Like, yeah. What the fuck is BMI ASCAP gonna do to like a shitty bar? In yeah. Phoenix? What are they exactly? You what know, are they like, gonna do? What are you really gonna do? Because like I know I will be more pervasive and annoying if it came to, like if that were the pissing contest. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the other I thing. Like, like the Dave happen. Matthews band thing. It's like you're attacking the exact fan base right. that made him what he is. Right. Like, right. those people aren't like, man, I'm not going to see Dave Matthews. I got all these sweet tapes. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. like, they're just huge fans. Let them, right. let them they're have like, that. They're like, how do I bring my tape recorder and my cooler like, in? All, like, I don't know if you guys have... Um, yeah, like, I have... You know, I used to collect bootlegs of whatever shit. It's terrible. It's awful. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's... It's, it, but it makes you feel better to have, like, whatever. Like, as a kid, you have it, and it's like, hey, I got this rare thing. Why would you possibly attack right. someone like for having 
so much that you can't. <laughs> you've exhausted. You've bought everything but, you can, and it promotes and you the still musician. Want it. Just, it's a form of it's a form of free advertising. But do you, but do you yeah. think that? But do you think that uh, Dave Matthews sitting atop his throne of skulls was directing his <laughs> yeah, lawyer so minions? Probably or, not. Yeah, it was, it was, that, that sounds like something that a record label yeah, would do. Exactly. You, know? you never know. I don't know. But ultimately, it's it's at your behest. And eventually, we can't, we'd be, have to sign off on There was it, a big yeah. boycott. You know, eventually, the record stores were like, here's the deal. Like, back the fuck off, right. or we won't sell any of your shit. Right. <laughs> right. That's amazing. I think that's great. And, and it was just such a great, like, oh, thank you, collective yeah. record store. Fuck you. <laughs> back when the record store, fuck you, had some clout. Yeah, yeah, that is Those kind of makes me sad hearing about that. Actually, I'm sorry. Sorry. Brody's joking about the person who's the downer on the show. <laughs> no, it was, you know. Hi, this is Beth Grant, and sometimes I doubt your commitment to Shaky Town Radio. Get with it. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com, or call us on the Shaky Town Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. All right, so some of our guests have to go. Sorry to um, say. Yeah, absolutely. This is my first podcast, by the way. Really? Yeah, Holy crap. I, 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 this is, I popped my cherry with you guys. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you. If I may, I think you nailed it. <laughs> you did, yeah, you did. I have one Monday, which is weird. It's like, oh, fuck those guys. All who, these who, who, who are you going? Uh, this American Wife. Yeah. Called. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so this was this was awesome. Sweet. This was it was great. great. Thank and you so it much. Was a pleasure course, having you. We could find you on valiantefort.com Valiantefort.net and everythingisterrible.com. Yes. Yeah, please check and, it out. And uh, and you're on Twitter, kind of. Uh, we do. We we e. It's e underscore i underscore t. Mm-hmm. I don't do it nearly enough. I yeah. feel really bad about it. We've got like don't feel bad. Thousand Twitter. Well, when you have like two thousand yeah, people who are like guys like Peter Serafinowitz, like heroes of mine that are. You're waiting to hear a joke, basically, and I'm just like, yeah. we got a show. Seraphim Woods makes enough jokes for everybody. <laughs> God, Jesus, it's really fun. Oswald, Norm Macdonald, it's like, slow the fuck down. <laughs> it's great I'm guilty, though. I love I'm, it, I'm guilty of that myself. So. No, I think it's great. I just, I feel like, I, I feel like it's some, a world that I'm kind of jealous that I'm not a part of. But all I need to do is spend time with it. Oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah, just yeah. like it's, it's it's fun. I like it. Yeah. And that's, again, it's um, going to be uh, at CineFamily June, June 27th through uh, July. June 30th. I'm sorry, June 30th through July 4th. Yes, Thursday to Monday. There's tons of barbecues, uh, events, par- pool parties at the Standard, which I don't I know how that happened. I love the Standard. What? They were so nice about it. They were, did you really? Mm-hmm. They were so cool. It's they were place. like, yeah. hey, the, you just called them. And they were like, yeah, 4th of July, no problem, pool party. It's like, yeah. awesome. holy crap. So a lot of people like Zach will be out here, Rich. I mean, they'll be... People are coming from all over, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. Cool. Check it out. And um, so you, you also, do you want to promote real Please? quick? Uh, well, yeah, just the festival, Cinefam- www.cinefamily.org. New site. We have a new website amazing. that we just launched. Looks amazing. So cool. it's, it's actually very cool. Took, we just launched quite a quite a while to build. So yeah. There's lots of fun content there. More to come. Yeah. Now, is there sound on it, or is that silent as well? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. There's no speakers in the theater at all. <laughs> Let me make sure so I don't mangle your name when it's I. It's okay. It's it's Suki Suki Rose. That's Suki Rose. Okay. S U K I. S U K I. Suki Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is there anything else you want to plug as far as your own projects where people can find you? Or no, I'm good. Yeah, you got some <laughs> You got Cine Family. You got Cine Espia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be yeah. proud. That that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> don't hide your light under a bushel. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna take a 
break really quick here while uh, I see Dimitri and Suki out. Thank you guys thank so you much. Thank you guys so much thank for having us. Very much. Yeah. Great. It was great. It was so much fun. Thank you guys. And we're back. Yay! That was a nice break. Yes, it was. We uh, we confirmed that podcasting is a uh, is a dead end street <laughs> in terms of making money at it, unless you're Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> so um, Kevin Pollock too. We Bob and Gene and I were just having a conversation. We're just talking about what we're going to be doing for uh, for Shaky Town for the next for a year or two in the continuum and the places we're hoping to take this both literally and figuratively. Um, so Bob, as a person who has been involved in different mediums... I think we should take it to a place that's more echoey. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, what, what what do you see happening now with... Con- we, were, we were talking, obviously, with Dimitri and stuff, too, about about content. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you've done the everything from the calls that were on Chunklet's site and the Chunklet radio show to doing stand-up and you've had you've actually done some stand-up in some unusual places besides doing the you've done the big fish every once in a while yeah um you also did a show in somebody's living room that swearing at motorists played at yeah that was a great um that was a great time Dave, for those who don't know dave doman and swearing at motorists you should um but you know dave is someone who i just a guy that i love and a band that i that is really dear to me so when he uh he did this tour of house shows, essentially, mm-hmm. and it was a really cool kind of premise where you know, very obviously very small and, and you know, limited space and audience capacity, but you bought your ticket you know, online and then you found out the address. Nice. So no one was crashing and no one was just showing up. Right. Uh, without, you know. So the cops, I think, never came on that tour. <laughs> right. A tour of house shows. But, um, you know, as I said, you know, the performance, and there was a point where I just, you know, I kind of tipped my hat to Dave and thanked him for being there. It's, you know, when you can contribute something to the life of someone who makes the soundtrack to yours, it's pretty special. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. And it was kind of a crazy thing because, you know, this whole stand-up thing is somewhat new to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've always been funny. So I'm told. I can vouch for that. And I believe it. You know, I, I'm, I'm a doubter. You're taking that to heart. Nearly 20 years so, of experience, I can... But you know, there's 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 a lot to be said for, um, you know, just putting yourself in a different medium. You know, if you're hanging out with friends and you're quick and you're responsive and you're spontaneous, those things impress people. But when you're on stage, nobody knows how quick you are because you own the time. So people assume that you've had a life to come up with this. Right. And I guess you know, for me, there was just a point where I had to start thinking like, well, all of these experiences I have and all these kind of stories I have, all these things that I've done don't come here because there, you know, there's so much area, there's so much space between the setup and the punchline and yeah, things are funny on the way but you know, if you're, if you're just dealing with a comedy audience like you've got to be so much more succinct and in a, in a time it was a little bit daunting to think like, okay, I'm a comedian and I have no material <laughs> it's a weird sort of thing to think yourself in and you have all these people behind you who are like just do it, man. Just we t- we have absolute faith in you. We know you could, you know. There are all these people out there, and they have your lunch, man. Just go for it. So like, yeah, I will sharpen my knife and go. At least spread something with it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not cut, but hopefully stab <laughs> to death. 
so yeah, it's a funny. You know, writing is is a fun process, um, and, and you know, kind of a new because I've never really written for stand up. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting. Yeah, kind writing of, a kind joke of is really thing different. to do. Yeah, because yeah. you you know you're not you're not working off of anybody, nope. and you can plan to be heckled, but that just means <laughs> that your writing sucks to begin with. So well, not necessarily because we've talked about heckling before. Because some people are just there to be dicks. Sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you you know you're the best comedian in the world. It's someone's drunk and thinking they're helping. In air <laughs> quotes. Bleep, bloop. Right. Yeah, but it's true. True. Yeah. But so. Speeding this up to the present time, or the, at least the time you know a year ago when I'm doing this show, I you know have a fairly you know like a smaller amount of material that I kind of feel is like ready to go and is good. And there's kind of this change of somebody added to the show kind of last minute, and suddenly there's you know there are three acts now. And Dave, the day before the show, says, "Man, I hate the traditional show format of like you know opener closer." And I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So tell me what you think about this. I'd like to have you, like, not really MC, because I want you to, like, perform and not just be, like, announcing people. But I want you to really, you know, I'm not going to get a chance to see you again. So I'd like to, you know, as much as you can do, do. Just, you know, God, careful what you wish for. (laughs) Um, So, but what Dave essentially asked me to do was, like, just basically, like, Open, introduce this uh, this girl who's going to be for Alison Gingrich. You, you were you were there. Yeah, you met. And then very good musician, after, very good singer, you know, very nice lady. After her, again, you know, go on and you know, and then introduce Dave. And the biggest thing, you know, it's like I hate being the closer. I hate endings. It's you know, the show's over and people come up to you and they want to put their hand on you and shake <laughs> your hand and say great job, or they want to ask for encore. So. I want you to basically be like the beginning, middle, and end. So when I'm done, like it's not done. Oh, you don't finish. Nice. So I'm thinking about this in the context of like just volume of time that I'm speaking. It's like, okay, even if I go, even if I put 10 minutes between, you know, this, you know, this little Neapolitan I'm, I'm, I'm trying to compose here. I'm looking at at least a half hour. If we sure. just 10 minutes between, like that's... So I just ended up writing, and this and and this is the next day. Yeah, and I'm also hosting Dave. Right. So and I have a job. So I basically just just crammed. A, I just wrote as much as I could, and I did you know dip into you know some story time. Um, so it was pretty. I mean, most times when I perform, like I don't really like to rehearse things, and a lot of times, you know, I like to just not even recycle yeah. a joke. I like, you know, sometimes I'll just say something once, and, and you know, I always feel bad for people that come and see me repeatedly. Like it's like you just, you know, you want them to have some kind of different experience, so mm-hmm. rather than be like, oh, I know that joke. Yep. Just because for me, it's like, I mean, how many times do you listen to a spoken word record or a comedy record? Right. If you're a so, comedy nerd, a shit ton. But if you're just the average, exactly. So there's, yeah, there's kind of that pressure. Of be like, wow, I don't, I don't want them to hear that same joke again because they could just call me and hear that on the phone, <laughs> or they could have just recorded <laughs> it the first time on their phone. But I bet they didn't. So there's that kind of pressure you put on yourself to like just constantly be like doing new stuff. So that was kind of a, a daunting show in the sense that like so much of that stuff I'd done I'd never done before and yeah. it written you know the day like of or the day before so it was just 
keeping that all together. I mean, fortunately, I had a few like you know breaks in between where other people could go, or I could kind of look over and compose. But that was a pretty. Yeah, I've talked about this in the show before. That's that was one of the things that made me not want to do stand up was realizing that that's an act. <laughs> These people are saying the same jokes over and over again, slightly differently. And I mean it it you know, when the big stand up boom in the late eighties, early nineties happened. You know, and they had and Comedy Central was just out and they had all these clip shows. I would watch a Jake Johansson on five different showcases do the same joke over and over again. And I realized, oh, that's the magic trick of stand-up, is the writing jokes. And there's and it, it actually kind of killed my joy for a very long time. For a very long time. Because I didn't realize that's the craft. The craft is honing that joke. Right. Even if you're saying it five times a night, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're working on it. It took me a very, very long time to come to groups with that. So I totally understand. Well, it's so much. It's 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 a much different talent. To be funny is you know is often yeah. to be clever and to be quick yes. and to be cunning, which is not to be rehearsed. Right. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wit versus. So yeah. yeah, that's the part where you know where the labor comes in, where it's like, the the work is just knowing this joke. And for me, like, I could probably tell a joke a hundred times, and it would never be quite the same. So. But I think there's also a lot to be said, just, you know, finding that comfort where you're just okay with that happening, where you just know, like, this is going to be fine, and it may not ever be the same, or it may take little sidebars. Or it, it's, it's taken us a while to get here, but I, I'm going to make my first, uh, well, wait, wait, no, wait, maybe do we, do, do we mention Tompkins before? I think this is the first Paul F. Tompkins reference of, of this anniversary <laughs> show. Um, that's why I like what, what Paul's doing, Tompkins is doing. He's doing a lot more kind of stream of consciousness, riffy kind of things. And I think he might have ideas that he's you know wants to talk about, but but it's mostly just him yamming about stuff. Right. And um, you know, I, I like the idea of that. I like that very much. That's that's to me that's the best kind of humor is stuff that is in the moment. But um, I do like writing jokes and, and getting sure. and telling jokes. Yeah, I um, and I, I wanted to ask you, um, having done that, and also, actually, really quick before I forget, this is another thing I, I love about your adventures. Um, on the tour bus with the whitest kids you know for the promotional tour for the Miss March movie. Crazy, yes. Um. Not in, so, not in, sorry, not in the uh, like Aerosmith drug down tour bus um, variety of crazy, but having cr- to crazy in the institutionalized uh, shuffling around in bathroom slippers, crazy. No, you no, know what no. you're trying to say? Uh, no, I know, I know. You guys were producing content on the fly, like for the tour, and having to get stuff to different places, and and. Yeah, it was. We were shooting just you know whatever we could shoot. Um, I was I was contacted by um, by someone at, at Fox Atomic who did the movie Miss March, and you know we want to do this kind of like tour you know trailer sort of thing, and you know throw these these videos out, and you know we think you would you know you would be a good catalyst for mischief. So <laughs> so go. So, so it was a pretty crazy job, like. You know, in terms of your job descriptions, like, okay, <laughs> just go around and 
see what things can happen. Do some stuff. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty funny thing. And I'm working, you know, um, Danny, the camera guy that I was working with, we had just met, basically, like, you know, the day before. Like, they were going to leave for the tour. I met him, just went over to his house, and we kind of just talked a bit. So it was kind of interesting, you know, because he's... It was just kind of me and him. Yeah. And, you know, for, for Zach and Trevor, who were, you know, pretty much the ones who were in the in Miss March, and they had so much, like, press to do. I mean, it was it was intense. And there's a time where, like, you just kind of feel like pushing these guys to do anything else, you know, beyond that is, like, so fucking taxing. And not only, and, and even more so, because you have to think of it as it happens. So it's even more, it's like... It's such a, you know, stress... I mean, it seems stressful, but it's a really taxing job because, you know, you get into town at, you know, like four in the morning and then there's some, you know, bright-eyed publicist person, like, whisking you around to all these different places, you know, radio stations and TV. And, um, we, we encountered... You know, one of the funny things that we saw, a lot of funny things we saw, but... Uh, we saw Michael Lohan in, uh, <laughs> in in Fox in Philadelphia, the little Fox uh, local station, and he talked shit about his daughter and plugged the fact that he was going to be boxing a local radio DJ at a Ramada near the airport. What circle of hell is that? <laughs> wow. It was so... Wow, now I feel a lot dirtier for challenging Jesse Thorne to a boxing match. Uh, maybe you should. I apologize, Jesse. I hope you're having fun at Max Fun Con. Anyway. It is the most fun you could have. Yeah, so a lot of the things were... You know, I mean, like when you tour, it's like there's just so much time in transit. You know, you're in transit more than you're anything else. Yeah. And, and the bus is comfortable and it's big and, you know, it had cable, which my house didn't at the time. <laughs> So, and it's like the ultimate, like, there's like guilty pleasure bunk beds where you can just go and watch like, stupid TV with your headphones in. It's like nobody knows that I'm watching <laughs> Real Housewives of whatever the fuck that is. Um, but, you know, a lot of the funniest things just sort of happened in random places. Like, we were in Ohio at this, um, like, a nicer hotel, one of the nicer hotels that Columbus has to offer. And I, they the had three, a the three seasons, right? <laughs> the winter fall, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was a little business center that we were in. It was you know some computers, and I mic'd up like all sort of discreetly in undershirts and hidden. And Danny through the window filmed, and I kept going on the computers to hotmail.com, but spelled M A L E, <laughs> which is. You know, sometimes when you're looking for something, you don't know how good it's going to be. It's, it's better than you could possibly Like, you imagine. don't know. Like, I just know this is, like, the one way I can say I'm checking my email and, oh, my God, your computer has porn viruses. But when you go to, and those of you who are on Hotmail.com, M-A-L-E, um, this free plug for you. Love it. Um, but, God, you guys are so good at pop-ups. <laughs> There's never been a time where I instantaneously saw so many mustaches princed against testicles. There were like 40 pop-ups all in a matter of seconds as I'm screaming to get to the attention of the attendant at the, you know, whatever. Hotel, I forget the hotel's name. But, uh, the Singletree. Yeah. 
as I was telling them how I, I run a, a Christian, uh, a home-based business, you know, a Christian mail-order business, and how, what if your email worms get out to my customers and you'll ruin me? And Of course, she's like trying to, you know, and the pop-ups are like more pop-ups are happening. When you close one thing, four more things come up. Like, don't leave now! <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and the woman told me to go, just, well, just really sorry, I'm really, really sorry. Just, if, if you just use this, want to use this computer? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just. So of course she's you know, trying to close all these windows and more and more coming and she could not be more uncomfortable closing all these windows as 10 more come up with every one that closes. So of course the same thing happens on the next computer. So things like that. You know, the term crime of opportunity sort of comes up a lot in, in, in respect to what was like fun to shoot. Um, there was an old theater next to the hotel. It was actually the oldest, like, continuously functioning theater in America, mm. Columbus, Ohio. A lot to be proud of. <laughs> they were... There, there's a, what's a... What's a musical or a play about menopause that's performing? Which <laughs> is great when you think that, you know, elderly America is a demographic uh. with a large chunk of disposable income. So why not get the the dry vagina monologues? Yeah, <laughs> which is what was my joke. Was like, yeah, I made nice with some old ladies at the you know they were like, hey, are you guys here for the for the show tonight? Like, yes. It's like, well, I hope you have a sharp sense of humor because I hear it's very dry. It's great when you can engender yourself to you know people who are basically getting together for a menopause theme. Wow. Was it called Hot Flashes or something like that? Um, I think I think it was called Menopause. Oh, was it? Yeah. With an exclamation mark? I really should have gotten a program. You should have. The Playbill. Play play yeah, to <laughs> really keep it in track. <laughs> so having been involved on these different platforms, from tour buses to living rooms to uh, internet radio to... Actual platforms. To actual platforms. To actual platforms. <laughs> Where do you see things going with... I mean, this is... I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a big question. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 sum up for us really quick. And I'm also going to give you 45 seconds to answer it. Yeah. Like, where is it all going? What What is going to happen as... I, I know the answer to this one. Okay. The heat death of the universe. <laughs> Questions like this really are always a great time to invoke some sort of Nostradamus answer. <laughs> Are you composing quatrains? In your a area? red owl will sit near the bank of a lake. <laughs> the bear is sleeping. Um, which is, I think, is, is in essence the, the sort of the future of comedy. There's a large red owl next to the bank of a lake where a bear is sleeping. Um, you know, someone who kind of grew up punk rock, it's, it's sort of great to see uh, an upswing of sort of non-traditional venues. And that's... I guess something that's really encouraging to me because, yeah. you know, like, you know, we, I mentioned earlier, you know, when you, you grow up in Phoenix and people tell you, oh man, go do comedy, you're funny, you'll, you'll be great at it. And then, like, the one place in town where there's comedy is the improv featuring, you know, like, seven nights of Paula Poundstone. It's right. like, she's funny. Really? Like, I think my hand in a fucking garbage disposal <laughs> would be funnier than this. And, and you just know it's not for you. Right, so, right. Um, you know, it's great with things opening up as they are. It's like there's just. I like her wry observational humor. I like her ties. <laughs> yeah, the suits are pretty awesome. 
<laughs> she looks like she's an extra in Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> I actually like her. I and, and for those of you keeping, keeping score, this is our oh second goodness. time dissing Paula Pouncer's wardrobe on the podcast. Absolutely. But that's okay. Yeah. It, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it twice in the first year, or are we have we passed the, the gate into the year two? Yeah, considering that I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I have made the executive decision to make this a, either a double episode or a two-part episode. That. So yeah, you, I think, actually, yeah, I think it's I think it's 12.05. You're my radar, you're my radar O'Reilly. You <laughs> knew what I wanted to do before I needed to do Exactly. I think the ball is dropped, and the, the confetti has been dropped, the, and... Dick Clark's been wheeled back into his hermetically sealed chamber. Yeah, and I, I think we're um, yeah sweeping up, and I think we're in the new year. Ryan Seacrest, and and that's why I asked. That's why I'm I'm fixated on this theme of like where are we going? Because you know we're we talked off mic about what we're gonna hopefully do, and um, not ready necessarily to share with all that with you guys yet, listening and gals, because we want. But we're building a rocket. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, things are in the works, and we hope that we come to the end of this the year. Rocket works. Yes. We, uh, we hope to. Do you remember rocketmail.com email? But don't go to rocketmailmail.com. <laughs> yeah, you will see astronauts' balls like you've never imagined. <laughs> um, I think that's another Hardwick line, Gary, that come on a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping to uh, be, be even more exciting places. Literally and figuratively for the the new year by the end of the year. So yeah, I I I'm I'm curious. One part of me thinks things are just going to be more and more um, commodified. I think Gene is the word used a couple years a weeks ago. That's maybe that was an off mic conversation, but we were talking about podcasting with the podcast networks. Mm-hmm. And, um, things being monetized and commodified, and um, not necessarily a bad thing, but it does change the nature of the game. And so, yeah, I'm wondering if things will get more and more like that. If if it will be podcasting, podcasting specifically, it's it's going to be less and less ham radio, ham radio, C, CB radio, public access, and more put, like. I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle. It's I think it's um, I think you you know it, it, unless the internet gets big padlocks on it people right. are still going to be able to do it yeah. I just think that that there's going people are already making money at it and people are going to figure out ways to make money at it and yeah. lock, lock down content so you can make money I mean that's just the way it works right you know it's the Wright Brothers built an airplane out of matchsticks and bicycle parts and a motorcycle engine and you know 30 years later you have airlines and you have you know manufacturing concerns making aircraft and not mm-hmm. just dudes yeah you know, so it's just the way of the world. And you still have indie movies, even though there's blockbusters, and there's even indie TV now, like Joe Wilson. Likes and there's to more. Say. And there's more indie, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because the, you know, the, it's no longer a, a science necessarily to, you know, edit a film. Yeah. You can do it on your every computer comes with some dumbass editing program. And yeah. If you can shoot video on your phone, you can. Add, you know, piece it together. God knows, man, I've been watching a lot of YouTube clips <laughs> of shit because the baby loves Annie, the soundtrack from Annie. People put together garbagey bullshit over Annie music, usually like clips, things from the 
from the film stills and stuff, but fuck, fuck those people. Oh my god. I know when I say this, I'm setting myself up for a huge disappointment, but I am really excited for the first full length feature film to be shot on a cell phone. Yeah, right. It's out there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm surprised something like a Cloverfield isn't done on a cell phone. Right. Yeah, because goodness knows, it can be just as fucking shaky and annoying. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, tripod-mounted. Oh, (laughs) actual someone actually trying to make it look good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just very portable. Yeah, well, that was a great thing about, um, and I was talking earlier uh, when Dimitri was here, um, and I'm going to plug it because I love it, and hopefully there will be a cut available to the public soon, but this thing that was shot on toy cameras that, that I was at, and I mean, and, and 80s, you know, video cameras, and it looks pretty neat. I'll show you the clips I have here um, after yeah, the show. Great. It's actually, you put the trailer up on Yeah, yeah, the trailer's up on the website. Another thing that I'm hoping to uh, for Gene and I to kind of <coughs> work on here to give you more and better on on the uh, on the shakytownradio.com, which you can still go to. Um, we'll, no, you can't. <laughs> I've forbidden them. The padlock's been put on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's there's great things that could happen. I, I think it, it won't necessarily become more and more corporatized. Corporatized. What's the word I'm trying to say, Gene? Commoditized. Yeah, I was trying to corporatize, though. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there will still be that, you know. And sometimes that's a good thing. You know, AOL pays Kevin Pollack. Theoretically, I I don't know the financials, but they give him a platform to do his show, which is awesome. And that's a good thing. We like Kevin Pollack. Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to anybody making money. Yeah. We like Jimmy Pardo. He's able to make money on his own. (laughs) <laughs> but um, but not, I'm not even talking about making money. I'm talking about... But if you're a dick, I'm opposed to you making 50 cents for picking up cans on the side of the road. Well, that's true. Fuck those guys. But just even like, you know, <laughs> just, just any corporate... Um, I think I found my year two uh, catchphrase. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say corporate influence or corporate involvement. I mean, AOL seems to be hands-off with whatever Kevin's doing. I think AOL doesn't know jack shit about what's going on with their shit. Well, yeah, they have their own mess going on <laughs> between them and Huffington, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So you could. I guess you guys up, don't know either. <laughs> you could have just, just summed up your entire opinion with you don't know what's going to happen. Right. I think... No, I think it will... I'm going to be John McLaughlin here. I'm going I'm to unequivocally state exactly what's going to happen. I, th- I think it'll be like music. Music, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. It's a lot harder. There, there's this great article came, that came out with the Buzzo from Melvin's, and he was lamenting kind of the loss of, you know, studios aren't paying $40,000, or not, labels aren't paying $40,000 anymore for us to go into a studio and record a great album. But he can, and those guys can do it on their own. And, right. you know, We were also at a time where you don't need someone who is as... as I mean, it's always good to have someone who knows what they're doing studio-wise to help you get the sound you want. Right. Like, 15 years ago, there weren't people who required $40,000 or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, or at least least if you're, like, even an indie band, several thousand to make something that sounds the way you want. I think, you know, the the length of the the trough has been shortened so drastically, Mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, Pro Tools and and related for, you know, for music to where... Yeah. You know, like you don't need, you know, you don't need Steve Albini to sound like you know, whatever sound you want. You know, right. it's, it's it's so much more accessible. So, you know, and in a way, it's like, 
you know, I get what those people are talking about. Like, you know, you, you languish for so long as a band just, you know, doing things so, you know, with duct tape and, and, and favors. And you come <laughs> to a point where finally it's like, you know, the, finally the fucking light in the end of the tunnel is not a train come to kill you. And someone pays you just a, a fucking stupid amount of money. Like what a teacher in, you know, Nebraska makes for a year. You get to fucking eat pizza and drink beer. Right. And you don't have to sleep in a van what for you six do. weeks at a time. And in a way, that's like a great, you know, it's like that, that's a great sort of, you know, way to sort of recognize someone for being you know, good at what they do. Yeah. And, and that's great. But I'm also thinking where it's a time where, you know, there's also so much waste that happened from that. Yeah. You know, you look at people, I mean, considering the label model was to, like, find, you know, however many bands a year, pay them all 40 to 80 grand to make that record. And then, you know, when it comes back, they're like, well, there's no hits on two of these. We can't market two more. So, you know, they ended up spending, you know, they ended up spending half a million dollars to and then all they get is like one fucking dandy Warhol singles. It's right. like Jesus Christ, no wonder we're you know, no wonder you're bankrupt. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, you know, comparatively to, you know, for I think for comics and, and you know for podcasting it's such a there's so many advantages because you just you just aren't reliant on so many of the contingencies that make music work. Mm-hmm. You know. Have a shitty drummer, not a liability. <laughs> so God bless, you know, great, that's great. No one has to own a PA, you know. You don't have to practice in a basement somewhere. So, you know, there's so many you know, there's so many liberties that come for you know for comedies where I guess it's for me to have such a sense of gratitude because you know, you know, all the you know, all the encumbrances that come from music just don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, I can fucking practice comedy in my head as I drive up the one oh one. Right. And, you know, Right. Really. And it's like, and even compared to movies or television, um, where you have to have a whole crew of people and, and things take a long time to make. The movie I made, I shot a year ago, and, you know, it takes a while to get it edited and cut together exactly right, and then you have to figure out if it's going in festivals or whatever. I, when I say movie I made, movie I appeared in. The, right. the, the actual dude doing the hard, hard work. Yeah, you know. It's well, it's hard for you, you're not doing it. <laughs> and there's stuff I shot years ago which uh, either didn't really get distributed or oh yeah shit sits on the shelf or yeah 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 just shuffled around yeah um, so the same with songs too for that matter I have songs I've never really properly released so with this we record it's up there you go we should do the lost uh, Brody Hubbard tapes yeah we could I do that a little bit on my my blog brodyhubbard.com <laughs> you can download the track, hear it, read the lyrics, and sometimes I, uh, after checking with my wife and seeing if it was be too embarrassing, I, I'm able to tell the story behind the song. But basically, we'll thumbnail every story about uh, Bertie's wife. That it, it all involves her having like explosive diarrhea, <laughs> or as Lindsay Doolin would call it, number three. Number three. Yes. Number three. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think people will find keep finding new routes to do things and put stuff up. Or roots. Or roots, and it will all um, intersect, and it'll be good. You can have a podcast. You can have a live podcast show at a venue. You can feature some great music and comedians. And be taken on tour, maybe even someday if you have the time off work and the money saved up to do it. So, yeah, maybe it will be more of a democratic. Me- media will be more democratic. 
Well, it already is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for better or for worse, it already is. Yeah. The shit that people can put out there now just by sure. being yeah. emphasis is, you know, it's, it's obvious that anybody can do this because yeah. anybody is doing it. Yeah. You know, the, the question is, is, are you a pro? Right. <laughs> you know, right, are you right. Should you be? Yeah, yeah. Right. You, you may. Yeah. The old, you know, can I versus may I. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> so as we kind of, uh, I was wrapping up here, um, just checking to see. We got a happy birth anniversary from Sam Proof. Yeah, Sam. Hope all's well with the podcast. It is. Thank you, Sam. Um, you can check out Sam's stuff on uh, a couple different places. I'll just give you the main URL. Uh, Podpocalypse.com and YouTube.com slash Sam Proof. Um, He's, he's getting married soon, and uh, congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. And he Mazel tov. he is uh, don't do it. Got <laughs> new things in the works um, that we might be talking to him about soon. I have to still talk to Gene about that. Okay. Okay. Um, Bob, what do you have coming up? Ah, uh, just a relaxing summer. Uh, I have a couple writing things that I've been working, uh, putting most of my time in now. Um, just a few random, uh, you know, just doing some stand-up things here and there. Uh, no big, no big uh, thing to plug. Um, I've been, I've been in this graphic novel for about a year and a yeah. half now that I'm almost done with, which has been one of the funnest things I've ever written. It's yeah. just a joy um, getting to write and not have to say visually what's happening. <laughs> It's like flying. Uh, so I have that and just a couple of other big yeah, projects that I've kind of been putting everything into. So cool. hoping to sort of finish those up this summer. And, you know. Is there a, a website or Twitter account or Facebook or some like hub online people can find you? Uh, yeah, I mean, Bob Schreiner. I'm Bob, I'm Bob Schreiner everywhere. So yeah. anywhere, anywhere you look for Bob Schreiner, I'm either there or not. But you will find me on Twitter. Cool. And uh, yeah. Great. Well, as, as I was explaining to Gene before we started recording, uh, Bob has been uh, by my side for many momentous like that, occasions. Uh, like that, uh, the, that weird twin that you have growing out of your back. Yes. <laughs> he killed that um, for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, my, did the, the, the keynote address at my f- 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 farewell roast in Phoenix. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I appreciate you being here for the year one slash year two. Yeah, happy to do it. It's sorry. a continue. Sorry, I didn't make it earlier, <laughs> but I'll make up for it. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back and uh, hopefully involved in some of our shaky town bullshit. <laughs> High jinks. Yes. So, how many episodes have we done? Well, you know, Gene, that's a funny thing. I was looking at it earlier. Uh, we used to count. Like we used to say, this is episode ten. This is episode twelve. And but that some, got boring. Yeah, we sh- had shoehorned. Oh. Like we're like, oh, I can't wait for episode twenty where we're gonna have. Um, and then we were like, man, we didn't do anything. Remember? Yeah, yeah, we didn't end up like doing all the fun, jokey things that we wanted to do because uh, it takes time to edit together a. That's why there's only one pod of Tomcast a month. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and there was like two part episodes jammed in and minisodes. So I can say that we have, as of the time people are hearing this, there should be like 67 different little things you can download from the feed. We've had, um, about 
25 to 30 guests. We have probably anywhere from 75 to 100 hours of stuff that you can listen to that we've been doing for the past year. I haven't, those are very rough numbers. I don't know for sure. It could be a million. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like trying to track how many people actually listen to the show. It's nobody knows. Thanks. Thanks all four of you. <laughs> so uh, it's been really great. It's been the really one of the most successful, most fun things. Thank I've you to ever Joe. Thank you to Joe, Joe Reiner, aka Sheep Lover, who's uh, who's at Max FunCon right now as we speak. <laughs> the only person that has written a review. Yeah. On iTunes. Write some you reviews, guys. Fuckers. Write some iTunes reviews. You shit heels. What kind of Oh my god. <laughs> you people are human vomit. <laughs> and hey, thanks. And again, you know what? Thanks to the people who gave us a two star review and a one star review on iTunes who didn't write a fucking review. It's if big. you don't like it, write a fucking review. Take the time. If you're going to give me one star on this podcast, I guarantee you it's people that Bob and I know in Phoenix. I guarantee you. <laughs> it could be. So have them fucking pipe up and say this is a fucking, this is like opening up a can of Dinty Moore beef stew and finding a live rat eating your mom's head. And fucking, it's that bad. You know, it's like, there you go, boom. Right. Write that. If you don't like it, you fucking, I don't care if you don't like it. You can go ahead and not tell like me it. Why. But tell me why. <laughs> exactly. Constructive criticism, feedback, yeah. fucking, you know what? You're off your meds. You write a psychotic rant about how fucking Heath Ledger was killed by Jesus and fucking Martians. I don't care. But no, you're mixing him up with Bruce Lee again. The same people. Well, it's all the same. The Grays. Mm-hmm. Who do you think Heath Ledger was? Uh-huh. Mm. There you go. There you go. Um, tweet us at Shaky Town Radio or at Brody Hubbard or at Gene George. Uh, the website remains shakytownradio.com. The phone number remains 626-66-SHAKE. Um, 4253. Something like that. I have a BlackBerry now, so that doesn't work for me anymore. I don't know what number equals what letter. Um, and what else? Where else can they? What else? Do we have a YouTube channel? Well, more we have a YouTube channel. I don't think we post a lot of shit to that, but um, we will be. Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, we have the YouTube channel and something, something. What was I gonna say? Um, yeah, so yeah. Let us know. Shakytownradio at gmail.com. Email us. Let us know what you think. Uh, what you want to see in this new or here in this new year of Shaky Town Radio, and um, let if, you know about any. If you get a shit ton of money, give us some. That's always good, too. Uh, I think uh, we're going to start accepting donations. I think we should start accepting donations. We could. I don't care. We'll do it. Um, And, yeah, thank you so much. Again, it's been really fun. All the great people we've met, um, heroes of ours and friends of ours. I'm just looking back at all of the stuff that we've posted on the Shaky Town Radio page at shakytownradio.com. And, man, I'm fucking funny. (laughs) Um. Look at look at look! There's a, that's a picture. It's a picture of Melanie Griffith and Mel Woods' face from uh, from Princess Bride. Don't they look the like, They look exactly like. <laughs> How hilarious is that? It is pretty funny. Oh. So, yes, Gene. Anything else you want to say to the audience before we take off? Uh, thank you for everyone who's uh, mentioned the podcast and been supportive of it, and thanks for the folks who've uh, uh, come on the show and. Uh, and we've had a lot of interesting talks with a lot of people that, uh, including some people who I am greatly enamored of, and and, and better off for meeting, <clears throat> and much better off for meeting. No, all joking aside. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you know, thank you, Bob, for being uh, being our lead off guest for 
year year two, I guess. Year one, year two. My pleasure. It was it was an honor to meet you finally, and uh, had a great time. Likewise. So until next time, I am Brody Foster Hubbard. I remain Gene George. And I won't be here. You might be. I might be, though. <laughs> uh, but I'll be Bob Schreiner wherever I am. All right. Devil.